Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode, the final episode of season 15, where we're discussing how to use the type grid. So uh, for this episode, I decided to actually create the type grid with all of the uh, small components associated with it for the sake of this lecture, and we can actually kind of teach people how to use it We've just defined each of the different tools that could be used to determine someone's interaction style and temperament. But now we're actually going to be putting it in practice uh, here for this lecture so that you can actually see how to do it and how to do it in real time and do it with uh, somebody, uh, I don't know, anybody or even yourself to kind of help you identify with, oh, you know, what type you are, etc. So. I realize that some of the words are actually really small on the, uh, on the uh, I don't know, on the feed here when we're recording, but I'll be explaining uh, and saying audibly what those are in case you're not able to see it. So I guess that's just kind of how it is, uh, given the fact that I'm kind of doing this low budget right now. But although, speaking of low budget, I actually did gather some different uh, camera gear uh, to help me with uh, lighting and some various other things. So we're gonna be having that set up in the near future as I kind of turn my apartment more into this like studio thing. So that's kind of like where we're going with this. But anyway, uh, let's get down to it. Um, before I begin, I wanna do the disclaimer. Uh, every now and then we have a disclaimer for whatever lecture series we're doing, right? And uh, yes, this series is no different. For season 15, there is an actual uh, disclaimer. And uh, wow, I uh, totally did not put do not disturb on my phone. So someone might call me and that would suck and I'd have to redo this. So hopefully I can get through this without that happening. But be that as it may, uh, the disclaimer. So remember, uh, with the interaction styles and with the temperaments, there are different tools with them. You have direct versus informative, you have movement versus control, you have initiating versus responding for the interaction styles and for the temperaments, which are at the top. So interaction styles are the rows, the columns are the temperaments. And for the temperaments, uh, we have those tools as well. We have systematic uh, versus interest. Uh, we have uh, pragmatic versus affiliative, and we have abstract versus uh, concrete, right? But here's the thing. All of the 16 types can be potentially everything, right? It's because we have the four sides of the mind. Here's the four sides of the mind. You have a person's ego, you have a person's subconscious, you have their unconscious, also known as their uh, shadow, and you have their superego, also known as the demonic inverse or uh, also known as the parasite, for example. And also subconscious is also known as the anima or animus, depending on what gender you are, right? So these are all different considerations you have to understand. So what we're focusing on is the primary. We are focusing on what is primarily the ego. Why? Well, it's because it's all about, I'm gonna put it right here, it's all about preference. Preference is everything. It's what you prefer to do, right? It's all about primary versus secondary. Everyone is direct. Everyone is informative. It is possible. Everyone is. The thing is, though, is that what do people prefer to do more than the other, right? That's the whole point. You have to be thinking in terms of primary versus secondary, what a person prefers to do versus what they don't necessarily prefer to do but can do, right? 
Uh, and this is very normal in almost any form of human interaction, even sexual intercourse, right? People have secondary roles in the bedroom. Sometimes people have, they prefer to be on top or they prefer to be on bottom, but every now and then they could switch it up given whatever circumstances, even stress uh, impacting a relationship could actually change positions in the bedroom, believe it or not. And that would make a person's secondary roles come out, you know, stressful situations, traumatic uh, situations, or situations of elation could actually put someone in their subconscious, right? And it has its own set. So remember, each of the 16 personality types has its own, has its own, uh, you know, its own temperament and its own interaction style. Every single one of the 16 personality types. So that means the ego has its own interaction style and it has its own temperament. The subconscious has its own interaction style and its own, uh, uh, temperament. The unconscious is the same, superego is the same. So potentially we have, you know, the, uh, the I, the interaction style, and you have the T here, and then you have the I, and you have the T here, and you have the I, and you have the T here. So that's like four different interaction styles potentially that you'd have to keep track of. And there's also four different temperaments potentially that you'd have to keep track of. Now, luckily there's, there's actually a lot less, like for example, I'm an ENTP, so two of the sides of my mind actually have the same temperament, uh, which is uh, the intellectual, whereas my subconscious is a guardian and my superego is an artisan, right? So I have three temperaments that I gotta keep track of, and then they have all their associated tools. But again, I'm primarily in my ego, so I prefer to operate in my ego, just like most people, unless they're like dealing with trauma or whatever, or stress in their life, and they're stuck in one of the other sides of their mind which can happen. You can get stuck in your shadow, also known as your unconscious, and you can get stuck in your subconscious, right? So you may end up being a little bit more even killed because while you prefer in your ego to interact a certain way and have a certain temperament, you're kind of throwing off and it seems like you're more in balance because you're in your subconscious a lot or, you're in your, or you are in your unconscious a lot. And this potentially skews results. But still, at the end of the day, based on your interaction style and temperament, because of preference and what is preferential, what is primary versus secondary, you know, yin and yang equilibrium, it's very important, you know, yin and yang. The yin is the pliable, the yang is the firm, the masculine versus the pliable uh, feminine, they are in yin and yang equilibrium, right? Because the secondary trait is the black dot in the yang side, or the secondary trait is the white dot in the yin side. And those are still secondary traits. So human beings are able to use all these other traits through secondary traits. It's just what we need to do is find what their primary traits are so that we can identify them properly. And how do we find their primary traits? By looking at what they prefer to do, looking at what they do more often, right? That is the main tenant foundational law behind how to use the type grid, right? So let's take a look as to how that works, okay? So we have the type grid right here. We have guardians, SJs, so ESTJ, ESFJ, ISTJ, ISFJ. So the structure guardian is the ESTJ. The starter guardian is the ESFJ. The finisher guardian is the ISTJ. The background guardian is the ISFJ. For artisans, we have the ESTP, which is structure, ESFP for the starters, uh, finishers is the ISTP, and the background type is the ISFP. For the intellectuals, we have the structure intellectual, that's the ENTJ, the starter 
ENTP, which is the starter intellectuals, the ENTP, uh, the finisher intellectuals, the INTJ, and the background intellectual is the INTP. And then uh, the structure uh, idealist is the ENFJ or the mentor. And then uh, the starter idealist is the uh, ENFP. The finisher idealist is the INFJ. And the background idealist is the INFP, okay? So each of these types, this is literally how it works. So if you've ever done multiplication tables in school, this is literally how you type people. It's just multiplication tables. This is a grid, four by four, so a 16 grid, great. So all you have to do, all you have to do is identify what temperament they are, that's the column, and what interaction style they are, that is the row. That's it, because, oh, I understand that this guy is structure, but then I realize his, uh, his temperament is intellectual. That means the answer is ENTJ. So basically, this gives you the opportunity to utilize this system for deduction, process of elimination. That's all you have to do is use this for process of elimination. This is the process that you follow to be able to type people. It's kind of interesting because you're seeing how systematic I am right now as an NT because guess what? NTs are systematic. We have systematic right here for the NTs and they like talking in methodologies and frameworks and whatnot. And guess what? This type grid, which is based on the research and work of Dr. Linda Behrens, is essentially how we type people because we have everyone to put into this framework and we find specifically how to type people. And it is 100% accurate. You can do it this way. You will be accurate. No issue whatsoever. Why do we have to do this way? Well, because the dichotomy system of the MBTI, where we're just looking at introverted versus extroverted or intuitive versus sensing or thinking versus feeling or judging versus perceiving is very limited. One of the ways I explain this is in the how do the INFJs versus the INFPs lecture, right? Where I talk about how, guess what? INFJs are actually more T than they are F. Why is that? Because they have TI child, also known as, you know, TI in the top four functions of their mind. That makes them a thinker because an introverted judging function like TI or FI makes someone a thinker or a feeler, even though their letters say INF, but the F is not really real. Why? It's because it's not a source of feeling. Whereas the INFP is a source of feeling. It has FI hero, but they often, but it's such a high judging function because it is a hero function at the apex of the mind. They often score, you know, an INFJ on the test. So they get really crossed and they end up being mistyped. And guess what? The MBTI mistypes people on a regular basis because the MBTI through these dichotomies are not aware of the cognitive functions. But to be able to test someone properly on cognitive functions, it actually takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and you're still prone to human error. I'm sorry, tests are prone to human error. You have human error on the, uh, for whoever's taking the test. You have human error on who is administering the test. You have human error on who's checking the answers for the test. There's a lot of human error, right? Well, thank God for Dr. Linda Behrens, who gives us the interaction styles and then her take on the temperaments and all of these little mini microcosms or micro dichotomies attached to each of these things to be able to give us a framework where we can pragmatically and systematically determine who is what through the process of elimination or deduction, logical deduction. There's no reason to like get this wrong because it is correct. 
and we just focus on their ego. And once we identify one of these types, guess what? We instantly know the four sides of their mind. Oh, I found their ego. Well, I know their subconscious because their subconscious is just their ego's functions flipped upside down. And then I know they're unconscious because it's just the extroverted or introverted opposite of what the ego is. And then the superego is just the unconscious flipped upside down. Great, I know all four sides of their mind and I know all their cognitive functions. And now I know where a person's weaknesses are, where their strengths are, where their fear exists, where their worry is, what makes them the most happy, right? And guess what? That person is all of a sudden open to my influence. Why? Because I know everything there is to know about them from a nature standpoint. Now, this grid does not tell you a person's nurture. If you want to learn about nurture, you can look at BS tests like Big Five or Hexaco or, you know, ooh, we're going to test you on how narcissistic you are. Great. Well, I mean, I'm sure all the NTs would, uh, or pragmatic types would, would score, you know, as very high in narcissism because they're inherently selfish. You know, it's like, ooh, if you're not affiliative like us, I guess that means you're narcissistic. Yeah, that's as bad as telling, you know, NTs that they have Asperger's or autistic or they have ADD, ADHD or whatever, and you're just giving them pills because they're not like, you know, the rest of the 70% concrete population out there. Great. Thank you, guys. Oh, we have this huge war and abstraction, so let's just, you know, give drugs to small children to make them more like us, even though that those drugs, like, destroy those small children. And, yeah, it's basically literally totally pathetic. And I loathe how society is doing this to our children. How about we actually learn about depth psychology and stop poisoning our children and ruining their futures and our grandchildren? Yay, because epigenetics, because, yeah, let's just destroy our genome, you know? I mean, come on, think about it statistically. And my source on this is Warren Farrell from the book called The Boy Crisis. The uh, sperm count in men continues to drop every single year and has dropped by a huge amount over like the last hundred years. I wonder why. Think about it. You know, oh, masculinity is definitely on the decline. That's for sure. Oh, but Mr. Warren Farrell thinks, oh yeah, well, I guess that means we just need to make men more like women, right? That was literally his solution. He does a great job identifying the problem in that book, but his solution is like, oh, hey, let's just turn men more into like women and then it'll be okay. Wow, Mr. Farrell. I mean, I think that's like the, the best decision ever. You know, society is so afraid of men because men, when they get together, they have this problem where if they are men and they want, they demand to be treated like men and then they demand to be respected because they have this thing called self-respect. And then if you get a bunch of them together in one place, then they decide that they would like to take power and start changing society and those already in power don't like that. So, hey, we're just gonna turn the kids into like this group of people who we just take away their masculinity, make them more like women so that they're easier to control and not willing to challenge the system. Yay, that's really great. You know, very conspiratorial as well. But to be honest, like, what alternative is there? Oh, this is just something that's happening. Well, okay, sure, maybe. But if regardless, it's still a problem that has to be solved. Whatever the cause is, it doesn't matter. We have a problem, we need to fix it, right? So one of the ways we're going to do this is by learning the type grid so that we could possibly type everyone properly. And then we could develop education, proper parenting, proper relationship, friendship skills, proper sexual skills even. Every aspect of human interaction is 
affected by this form of psychology, by this form of depth psychology, it is absolutely critical that we educate everybody, especially in first world society, about this system so that they can identify themselves, identify other people so they can know themselves and know others so that they can love themselves and accept themselves so that they can love others and accept others. Wow! And all that fear of masculinity causing conflict would just go away overnight because if everyone understands each other, I'm sure that would really help from the conflict standpoint now, wouldn't it? Oh, but no, we can't do that. We need to continue to keep people in the dark and ignorant every single day because, you know, we are afraid of change. Thank you, SJs. Thank you so much for that fear of change because statistically 40% of the population in any population, be it in a company or whatever, statistically 40% of people are resistant to change. Gosh, it's kind of weird how, you know, the guardians are 40% of the population at the same time. Oh, that's why. Oh, it must be the guardians, you know, that 40%. That 40% of the population are guardians. Oh, and we have 30% here for the artisans. 15% for intellectuals, and 15% for the idealists. Oh, okay, so what you mean to tell me is that the concrete types, which are here, are the majority. Oh, wow, and the abstract intuitive types are the minority. Oh, but there's something wrong, there's something weird, there's something abnormal with these types. Let's give them drugs and destroy their life before they even have a chance to defend themselves. Wow, like, Really? Come on. Uh, why, why do we continue to allow society to completely screw our children? Will someone think of the children, please? Please? I mean, I'm trying to do that. Oh, wait, I am doing that. But apparently, we're just content to do it. I mean, come on. Like, seriously, grow a pair. Grow up. Please get the mature masculine. Get the mature feminine and help change society for once so that our children and our children's children are not screwed. I mean, even, you know, Native Americans, especially like the Iroquois tribe, and this is, again, my source is The Boy Crisis by Warren Farrell. Uh, he explained in this book about how Native Americans, especially in the Iroquois, would talk about uh, and make plans and make decisions based on what would affect seven generations out, right? This is why I do this. This is why this work that I'm doing is so important because I'm trying to think seven generations out. I want my great, 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 great grandchildren to be living in a much better world and a less of a toxic society where people actually understand each other and have great relationships with each other. Imagine if everyone really understood each other, would, would we really need war that much? We would actually be able to unite as a race and actually tackle the challenges that we're really facing, you know, the energy crisis or the fact that 24,000 people die every day of hunger. There's a reason for this. And guess what? The type grid is just another stepping stone towards that future. So help me make this future a thing by learning and mastering the type grid and applying it to your life, right? So that you could have better relationships, so that you could be a better parent, so you could be a better brother and sister, so you could be a better child, right, of your own parents, right? So that you could be a better lover, right? So you could be a better friend. Makes sense. This permeates every, every single aspect or component of human existence as we know it. This right here. So let's talk about it a bit more. So, uh, so structure types, structure types, remember, they are direct initiating control, right? 
But what other types are also direct? Well, that is the finisher types. The finisher types are the people that focus on finishing things. They have a really hard time starting things, okay? And, uh, but they are movement, whereas uh, the structure types are control-based. Control means that they go at their own pace. They take their jolly sweet time doing things. Everything has to be under control. Progress cannot occur in the midst of chaos. I have to remove chaos. I have to bring order. I have to get rid of the chaos in order for me to have personal progress in my life. If there is total chaos everywhere, how exactly am I going to be motivated to do anything, right? Oh, but the movement type from the finishers, because the finishers, also the starters, are very movement-oriented, right? So these two are movement. Starters and finishers are movement-oriented. And if there's too much control being exerted, well, they feel like they're not getting any progress. So they will introduce chaos for the sake of progress. Because, wow, there's some stagnation here. We need to add some energy here. So we're going to introduce some chaos and do things a little bit chaotically because it should get things moving again. And, oh, things are moving. The river is flowing. We have life at last, right? And we also know that we just discussed that finishers are also direct with each other. Ah, but structure types and starter types are both initiating, which is very interesting. That's because they are both extroverted. Initiating basically means that they go to other people for the information that they're looking for. They're not going to wait on someone else to inform them or keep them in the loop. They're going to go to somebody else to find out what it is they need to know. That's how they interact with people. They prefer to initiate with others. But if you prefer to initiate with others, you need to be around other people to be able to initiate with them. That's why a threes a crowd social situation counts as extroversion, right? And that's why these extroverted types, in, uh, structure types and uh, starter types need to be focused on or allowed to extrovert and be around fellow human beings. This is why punishments like um, uh, solitary confinement are heinous. They are criminal. Solitary confinement should never be allowed. Every human being, especially extroverts, need to have human interaction. And guess what? Introverts, you know, these two types here who are responding, right here, uh, these two interaction styles are responding. We have the finisher and the background types. They also need human interaction. While they can survive longer in solitude compared to the extroverts, they still have an introverted situation where it's just a one-on-one. -on -one. They need that one-on-one -on -one interaction because they are responding. They prefer to respond, and they are trying to respond to others. They like it when people come to them, when people are thoughtful enough or value them enough to actually keep them in the loop, right? Because they prefer to respond. And don't forget, like, the power is always in the responder more so than the initiator. I mean, that's, like, a fact. So remember, they're responding. So we have the finishers in the background, people who are responding. Well, interestingly enough... We also have informative, informative types, background and starter types. We inform. I am very informative. I am informing you right now on this channel, in this lecture. In fact, I do that all the time. It's because I am informing you so that you can be educated, so you can make these changes in your life, so you can help create a better future for all of us. It is absolutely important that you do so. Informative. Like we use that milk example. Remember the milk example where it's like you open up the fridge and you see that there's no milk. And if you're if you're direct, you're going to tell uh, your lover or, or your roommate, be like, hey, go get some milk. Okay, that's direct. 
Or you'll be like me, open up the fridge, see if there's no milk, and make the statement, hey, we have no milk. Because the informative person is inviting the other person to choose their role. That other person can choose, hey, oh, they're giving me the choice to either offer to go get the milk or to tell them to go get the milk, right? That's what it means to be informative, right? There's extra context. Context is king. There's extra subtext. Direct people just say what they mean, mean what they say, and it can come off as bossy or commanding, right? Directive, right? Whereas informative is giving the other person the choice. Sometimes it's out of respect. Sometimes, you know, it's for other reasons. Maybe it's out of fear. Who knows? It's giving the other person the, other, the opportunity to choose their role, to choose, oh, hey, I would like to go get the milk and offer to get the milk, or, hey, I think you should go get the milk and to the to me, you know, who said that there was no milk, right? So that's informative. That's what informative means, right? And the informative uh, interaction styles are starters and backgrounds. So if you encounter someone who's informative, you automatically know that they are definitely not any of the structure types. You know that they are not an ESTJ, ESTP, ENTJ, ENFJ. You also know that they are not ISTJ, ISTP, INTJ, INFJ. By default, they're only one of the four starter types or one of the four background types. Thank God, it made it really easy. We just eliminated half the types just because we figured out that this person is informative, right? Well, let's continue on with this informative person, right? And it's like, well, is he initiating or responding? Well, he really likes being in solitude all the time. Okay, that's great. So he's, he's, he's very solitude, so there's a chance he's an introvert. Okay, but is he control or movement? Well, he also takes very, he takes very long to do things, and uh, he takes his jolly sweet time. Okay, so that means he is a background interaction style. Great, we just eliminated 12 types now, and we know that this person that we're trying to type is a background type. One of these four. So we have their interaction style, but now we need to figure out the temperaments, right? So let's talk about the temperaments. And how do we tell the difference between temperaments, right? We've explained this in detail. We've, I've explained all of this in detail in the previous lectures in this series. But again, this lecture is a general uh, overview of how it all works so that you know how to use the type grid, right? And how I use it and how anyone can use it. So. Okay, so we know that they are ISFJ, ISFP, INTP, or INFP, one of these four. Which one are they, you know? And you get talking to the person, it's like, okay, well, I don't know if he's concrete or abstract. I don't know if he's pragmatic or affiliative. I don't know if he's systematic or, uh, or, or interest-based. And then you start having conversation with, with this person and, uh, you know, uh, and you're trying to get them to do something with you. Hey, you know, you want to you want to come shoot guns with me or whatever. You know, uh, I'll, uh, you know, and we'll do Taco Tuesday that night. We're gonna we're gonna do clay pigeon shooting. We're gonna do Taco Tuesday. You know, me and my friends. Would you like to come join us, etc. And then this person is like, well, uh, okay, that sounds fun, but you've never invited me to that before. And uh, what's what's in it for you? Like they literally ask him, hey, what's in it for you? What's what is your interest in me? I mean, why why are you asking me now, right? Oh, I instantly know that they're interest based as a result of that. So that means they are idealist or artisan. So I've just eliminated them being an intellectual. I've just eliminated them being a guardian as a result. So this person is either an ISFP or an INFP just by default. Just by default, I already know that, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we continue to talk and they're actually starting to use, you know, language talking about how things should be because they're telling me, well, 
you know, I don't really have a gun to go with that. And like, oh, you can use one of mine. And then I hand, I hand them the shotgun that we're going to use and we're going clay pigeon shooting, for example, you know, and then they're like, oh, wow, this is a really nice weapon. But you know what? I'm not really sure about this. It should be done this way. You need to, you need to hold it this way. Always make sure your action is open because you're not going to be very safe, you know, and it's like, okay, wow, you're kind of telling me how it needs to, how it needs to be here, right? Well, And then they, they're like, but you know what? I'm just going to use my own weapon, right? They're constantly talking about, oh, hey, you know, I want to bring my own weapon. I'm not going to need to use yours. So let me actually see about potentially going to go buy mine for the next time. I don't really want to come this time. I'll go to the next time, but I would like to have my own weapon instead. And I'll have it before the next time. Okay, yeah, sure. We can go ahead and do that, you know? They're very independent as a result of that, very more independent. They want to do things what they want to do. It's not about what they want to do for the group. So they are pragmatic. So we've just found out that he's interest-based and he is pragmatic. Ergo, he is the artisan type, which means between INFP and ISFP, he has to be the ISFP, right? It's just an example. It's kind of a crappy example of MIT, but it's still an example, right? Remember, guardians are concrete like artisans these two things are linked together but guardians are also affiliative like the idealists okay and then guardians are systematic just like the intellectual so they have similarities notice how every type has a similarity with every other with every other temperament so you can actually see here that each temperament has a component of all the other temperaments. It's the same thing with the interaction styles, right? So concrete, affiliative, systematic for the guardian, well, they relate in some way, shape, or form to the artisans, intellectuals, idealists. They relate to somebody. Every temperament relates to the others. That's why they're in equilibrium with each other, right? Yes, there's more of them, in the concrete, there's more concrete than there's abstracts. Okay, yeah, sure. But they still relate to each other. They're able to have relationships with each other because human beings are based on relationships. Because if you get people together in one place and they speak the same language and they set their mind on a certain goal and they're going to work together to focus on meeting that goal, they will be successful. That's how the human race works, right? And it'd be great if you have all of human cognition available to you in this group and you could take advantage of the entire cognitive spectrum available to human beings to be able to accomplish that goal. Oh, you know, like changing, fundamentally transforming society for the betterment of our children seven generations from now. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be really nice. That would be the dopest, obviously. But I mean, you know, that's not what people want in first world society, at least the people who run first world society, because they probably don't even think that's the dopest because... Why not? We're just cashing in and making a lot of cash, you know, and at the, uh, you know, risk of our children and our children's children. Oh, but they're not my children, so that's fine. You know what I mean? Come on. Anyway, idealists, abstract, affiliative, interest-based, you know, so they are abstract like the intellectuals. They are affiliative like the guardians. They are interest-based like the artisans. They still have links to the other types. All you have to do is find out which of these they are. If you can find out, oh, hey, this person's abstract, you know that they're either an intellectual or an idealist. You know they are an NT or they are an NF. 
just by default. You understand that. So in reality, you don't have to actually identify all three things. It's the same thing with the interaction styles. You do not have to identify all three things at all. You do not. You only have to really identify two. And it's nice to have that third piece in there to kind of check your work, right? It helps you check your work. It helps you verify that you are actually correct in typing them. Because you're like, okay, I know this guy is direct and, uh, and I know that this guy is control-based, but is he... So that would make him structure. That would mean he's either an ESTJ, ESTP, ENTJ, ENFJ. But you know what? I'm going to verify that he's actually initiating just to make sure. And you're like, yeah, he actually really is more responding. Ah, well, he can't be direct responding control. So maybe I'm wrong about the control because I know for sure that he's direct, right? Okay, let me verify again if he is control. And, or still trying let me see if he is movement. And then you get to notice things, and then you you introduce a little bit of chaos in the situation because you're movement as well, then you realize he's okay with, with chaos and he's doing really well working this situation with chaos. And it's like, oh, okay, he just seemed like he was control. And reality is he's actually movement. Okay, oh, he's direct responding movement. Okay, great, so he's not actually an ESTJ, ESTP, ENTJ, ENFJ, he's actually an ISTJ, ISTP, INFJ, or INTJ, for example, right? He's one of those four types. And, you know, looking at uh, his temperament, he does seem pretty affiliative because he's very focused on people, which is great. And, uh, and, and he is absolutely abstract. He's constantly asking the what if. Okay, great. I know for a fact that he is actually an INFJ instead of an ENFJ. Right? So notice how people are like, oh, I'm an ENFJ when they could really be, and I, they got an ENFJ result, right? But after going to the type grid, they turn out they're actually an INFJ, right? We've also seen the same thing happen with INFJ and INFP as well. We've seen the same thing happen between INFJ and INTJ. We've seen the same thing happen between INFJ and ENFP because they're shadow types to each other, right? All of these things make sense. So the point is, you really only have to identify two of these traits to identify their interaction style and their temperament. But having that third one, use the third one to verify and to check your work to make sure you're doing it correctly. That way you're not at risk of jumping to conclusions or mistyping yourself or mistyping somebody else, right? Because you don't want to use this grid incorrectly and then mistype someone. Because guess what, if you mistype someone and you start talking to them about it, they're going to reject you and reject the theory because they're like, you're obviously wrong. I don't jive with that. That doesn't sound like me, right? So you need to verify, always verify. And I will, I will admit that it's easier for TI users, logic users, to use the logical deduction method of the process elimination when utilizing this grid after they've memorized it. I will recognize that. But TE users can still do it if they're patient, right? Of course, telling that to an INTJ, they're trying to be their TE user, trying to tell them to be patient. It's kind of like, eh. Look, just verify your work. Utilize all three. All three of these, you know, microcosms, these micro dichotomies, etc. Use all three that you have available per interaction style and per temperament, and you will be more successful. You will be more accurate. It's, you know, I know it's, it's nice and temp it's tempting, you know, for starter types. Oh yeah, you know, he's, he's informative in movement, you know, but is he initiating? Or, oh yeah, he's, 
or 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 down here, you know, the background type. We know that he's uh, we know that he's responding and control. Okay, but wait a minute, is he really direct? Like, you have to check your work. Just verify. Go the extra go the extra mile because. Once you arrive to what you believe your conclusion is in terms of what your type is or what your type of your friend is, try to prove it wrong. Try to use the grid again to prove your conclusion incorrect. You know, the scientific method. <gasps> yeah, I mean, we all love those debates about the scientific method on the CSJ Discord server, you know, and also debates about absolute truth, which are interesting. But anyway, Verify and check your work. See, this grid, yes, you can use it for process elimination. You can arrive at a type, and once you have mastery over this grid, you can actually type someone with 100% accurate, accurate accuracy within 30 seconds of meeting them for the first time like that. And then you instantly know their four sides of their mind, the cognitive functions, you know how to adjust your behavior to engage with them and get better results in your interactions with them. Even if you are super, super mega low compatibility with them, you could still adjust yourself because you know on what their mind is prone or prefers to interact or prefers to receive in conversation. And then you can adjust yourself and it's called social engineering because guess what? All social interaction is actually a form of manipulation. The word manipulation, though it has a negative connotation with those who use the English language, it's not necessarily a negative word, right? I mean, I'm literally manipulating this pen right now by pulling the cap off of it. So like, seriously, don't freak out when I say all social interaction is manipulation, right? Use this grid. Type yourself, know thyself. Then respect thyself, accept yourself. Do the same for your friend. Know your friend, accept your friend, understand your friend. Give your friend what he needs mentally or what she needs mentally. You know, if she's informative, maybe you're built to be with informative people. Great. If they're direct and they need people to be direct, because for example, ESTPs, they need to be with other direct people. They like being around direct people more so than informative. Whereas I'm an ENTP and though I'm informative, I like being around direct people, right? So it's different. It's different from the intuitives and the sensors. It's different from the abstract, the concrete people, right? These things make sense. These things fit together like a grand puzzle piece. Utilize the type grid in this way. If you don't know where to find my type grid, the type grid, like my version of it kind of sucks right now. It's out of date. It needs to be updated with all this additional, uh, with this additional temperament information, which I will do very soon. Uh, you can get that at csjoseph.life on the very front page, put in your email, and then you could download the type grid for yourself and you have the type grid. I'm going to be releasing a new version of it soon with all this updated information so that you don't feel like you're, you're missing it, right? You have everything at your fingertips to accurately do this. But again, check your work. Reach a conclusion. Use the process of elimination and logical deduction to like, oh, there's their interaction style. Oh, here's their temperament. Oh, I know what type it is but check your work. Remember, there's three different tools available per interaction style and per temperament. Check them all just to make sure that you are 100% correct. And then as a result of that, look at their cognitive functions, look at their four sides of their mind, adjust your behavior to make their behavior, your behavior more compatible with theirs. It could be for your children, it could be for your lover, it could be for your coworkers, it doesn't matter. The applications are limitless. And then as a result, you are able to exhibit better and more mature social behavior, right? Because
because you're able to social engineer better and you're able to influence people and win friends better. And guess what? Human beings that have more friends are typically more successful, right? And that would help build you up in success. And it could be that way professionally, with your family, with your church, with your community, by yourself, or in your romantic relationships, it doesn't matter. Again, the applications are limitless. Learn and master the type grid. So you can not only change yourself and change those around you or understand yourself and respect those around you and, and assist them in better ways, but you do that for the community and you can do it for bettering the world for the sake of our children seven generations hence. That's why I'm doing this anyway. Anyway, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, insightful, enlightening, helpful, ecumenical, uh, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and uh, also on the podcast. Leave a like while you're at it. And uh, if you have any questions about how to use the type grid, leave it in the comments section below. Hopefully this overview will give you a better idea of the process by which that you can utilize the type grid for typing yourself and others. I highly, highly recommend that you also watch season two on this YouTube channel in as much as watch season 15 because if you watch both seasons and you understand both of those seasons and there's a lot of lectures I know, it will give you probably the best possible idea of how to use the type grid with the best possible skill, for example, to make it happen. And if you're like, well, I don't have time to watch all that on YouTube, well, great, download the podcast because then you could like listen to it while you know, you're know you driving and on your commuter time, and then you're getting boned up on being able to use the type grid. And then you're being boned up on being able to be a better social person or communicator, even if you're an introvert or not. You'd be an INTP who has all this social anxiety, but because you've mastered the type grid, you no longer have as much social anxiety. Wow, right? That's pretty dope. Why not do that, right? Also, if you haven't taken the time to join our Discord server, please do that. The link is in the description below. Same with our meetup group, uh, the Bay Area uh, Politics, Philosophy, and Psychology group. Please join that as well. It'd be great to have you. If you want to have meetup groups in other cities outside of the Bay Area, we can open up chapters elsewhere, and I am definitely willing to work with you on that. Plus, it probably would be cool because I travel the country and the world a lot. So, because I travel so much, why not do that? So, anyway... Uh, I am now off to Ohio, so I hope this lecture finds you well, and I will be doing a few other lectures while I'm away in Ohio. So I'll see y'all uh, when I post those, uh, probably over the next couple of days. With that being said, have a good night.